Electricast. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the SNSW Podcast, it's time to perform an autopsy as we try and dissect the cause of the Boston Celtics' elimination from their third Eastern Conference Finals in the past four years. We'll also break down week three of the NFL and revisit which teams are contenders or pretenders as we enter the quarter mark of the NFL season. We'll also hand out this week's Forrest Cup Award with all the pomp and circumstance. But first, this episode is being brought to you by Boxo Crafts. Boxo is an arts and crafts focused kid subscription box. Boxo is a parent run company that combines creativity and convenience in one monthly package, delivered right to your door. Boxo's premier box, Boxo Holidays, contains four separate art projects to get you and your family into the holiday spirit. Whether it's Halloween, Hanukkah, or Easter, they've got you covered with holiday fun. Boxo, we can't wait to see you create. Check out BoxoCrafts.com and exclusively to our listeners, enter promo code SNSW for 10% off your first order. That's B-O-X-O-Crafts.com, promo code SNSW. The SNSW Podcast is a one-hour weekly, two-hour monthly podcast breaking down all the biggest news in the world of sports with a New England flavor. If this is your first time finding us, please consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever you generally get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us and leave a review. We always appreciate your feedback. Follow us on social media. All of our links will be in the show notes. And now, without further ado, this is the SNSW Podcast. But it's all relative. Thanks, Craig. My name is Joe Malkin, and I'm here this week with Dave Clark and Sean Buchanan, and of course, the best producer that we could find, uh, Craig Delisandro. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Yeah, so doing, doing real good, man. So good. The more abuse you hurl at Craig, the better I do. We don't. We don't. <laughs> Dave, we don't want to hurl any abuse at Craig. He he does enough for us already. So, guys, welcome into uh, episode nine of the SNSW podcast. We have a lot to get to this week uh, in a in a small package. So let's get right into it. The Boston Celtics are dropped out of the Eastern Conference Finals on Sunday night to the Miami Heat in six games. Um, what are initially our takeaways from this series? and the Celtics team. So first, I want to give credit to the Miami Heat for getting the job done. They were the tougher team. They were the stronger team. And at the, at the end of the day, they were more unified. So, and I can end it with that. However, no Giannis, no Kawhi, no LeBron. There was no excuse for this Boston team not to get it done this time around. And it's disappointing 
Uh, actually, I'm, I'm actually going to start further. I think this is actually worse than the loss that we had to Milwaukee last year, uh, mainly because they were the favorite and they should have got the job done, but they didn't. And, you know, hopefully they learn from this. But right now it stings, it sucks, and it's, it's unfortunate that they went out this way because they, they basically quit. And that, that's how I see it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's just very upsetting. Like the start of the show, I know we do a sports podcast and Joe's like, a reminder, <laughs> Dave, the Celtics lost <laughs> in six games to the Heat. As if like every Laker fan I know isn't reminding me of the same thing. Same story, different year. It's all I've heard for the past few days. And it's not wrong, but it's also a little bit not right. I mean, we ha- still have this young core. There's still a, a massive upside. I totally agree with Ray, though. Like, it definitely hurts. It's definitely a kick to the Nads. I thought we were going to do better because there was less competition in front of us. But then it turned out there wasn't really. Like, I do think that the Heat were, you know, on paper, okay, Giannis isn't there, sure. No Kawhi, great. But, like, Bam came out of nowhere. Jimmy Butler, you know, playing out of his mind. It's like, on paper going in, sure, we should be able to get through. But, like, that Heat team did emerge as, like, a legitimate, you know, a legitimate team. And I'm I'm free to say that because Mike isn't here to go, like I said. (laughs) Well, that was actually going to be my next point. As you said, that was, you know, Mike Mike said that when they were – in the midst of that series with the Bucks, right? He called it perfectly, honestly, because they, they are all the things he said they're going to be. They're, they're tough. They're gritty. They were beating our, beating our asses on hustle plays, which is the most frustrating part of that series is that, like, every hustle play we're getting beat on, which is, like, so yeah. not our identity, so not our MO. And, like, that, I mean, all that stuff just turned out to be true, so credit to him. So, so going back to, you mentioned Jimmy Butler, and he's clearly the biggest name on the Miami Heat. Um, Rayshon, is he big enough to you to have beaten the Boston Celtics? And I ask this because I, I have a take on this, and, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. It, it. Was Jimmy Butler enough of a star for you uh, for the, to beat this Celtics team? I, I actually have to go back to a take I made a few years ago when a team that he was on before the Chicago Bulls had went up 2-0 against uh, the Celtics in the, in the first round. And I remember saying to a friend at the time, I said, you know, I said he's a talented player, but I would never, I would never be scared of a Jimmy Butler-led team. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to three years later. Now, I still really wasn't fearful of a Jimmy Butler-led team, but however, when you have guys around you that are willing to be in, be in their role and really flourish in their role, so Dragic flourishes in his role, you know, Tyler Hero really has, has has stepped up in that series and said, hey, you know what? I'm someone that can shoot the lights out. I'm someone that's going to become a better defender. And, you know, he he, he flourished in his role. Same thing with Ben Bam Adebayo. I, I said during our, um in our, what do you call it, in our, in our group chat, you know, he really reminded me of a younger Al Horford. And, you know, he, he may surpass what Al Horford did, but, I mean, if, as someone that can, that can pass like him, that can rebound the score, like, um, well, that's what happened. The cast is just much better, you know. So that, that's that's, that, that's what happened. Like the, the evolution. Bam, of, Bam, yeah. yeah, Bam, Bam came, Bam came out of nowhere. It, it's not a Jimmy Butler led team that beat us. You know what I mean? Like the best player in the series was Bam Adebayo. You know. So, but, it's like, so Dave, to to interrupt you real quick and go off of what Rayshon said because Rayshon played into into my point perfectly. Is that I I, I agree with you, Dave. Like I I, I want to put that out there first. But I don't think Jimmy Butler was given enough creative license with Chicago. Maybe that's because he was younger, but we've said it multiple times. And after watching this heat team for six games, because 
all of us sat here and watched these, watched every minute of these games in this series. You really can't give one enough credit to Pat Riley for rebuilding the Heat after the Heat big three left, but also to Eric Spolstra for how good of a coach he really is. I thought that he was a puppet when LeBron was there, but I think Pat. No, sure. He it, well, maybe he was, but Pat Riley has time. really groomed him. Right, but Pat Riley has groomed him into a very good coach. And here's where I uh, you played into my point, Ray, and why I asked the question. I think Jimmy Butler was the best player on that court because of who he is as a leader, rather than who he is as a talented basketball player. I think he was a floor manager. Uh, in that series, and I think he is for for the Miami Heat. I mean, I think the Heat were super fired up, and I think they were more fired up than we were. Was that Jimmy Butler? Maybe I, I don't. I just don't feel like we got beaten by Jimmy not Butler. Sing- right, not singularly. That, and that's what I mean. I just think that he's the glue that kept it all together. Maybe. I mean, I think that he he didn't fit into a lot of places, and a lot of people were starting to write him off because he was basically like calling people out everywhere he went, but you find a good spot for him where people can take that and the right attitude and the right culture. And like, it seemed like everybody was clicking on the same page on that heat team. Like the fact that we got outworked yeah. is like, is like I said before, is like the worst part of it. And like Jimmy buckets works, you know, like he is a superstar, but he gets back on defense. Like they played that great zone that just obviously knocked the stuffing out of us, like totally killed our stamina and our momentum going into that game six. And it's like, he's a, he is a big part of that, you know, but at the same time, Bam Adebayo to me was the best player on the floor. And he was the best player in the, he was the best player in the series. And he emerged in, in that series. And that's bad luck, you know, because we knew going into the season, we were going to have matchup problems at big, at, at the big spots. And you could just see Tice just getting absolutely mauled, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate, but it's true. Like we know, we knew coming into this playoffs, we were missing a piece still at like at big man. So I'm not ready to write this team off for that reason, but the, it does worry me that we got outworked. Right, but that that's the issue I had too, because you know Tice obviously gets in foul trouble every game that you could think of. Right, it's 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 because he's so undersized, right? Because he's in there. Right, it's it's that, but also too. Right, exactly. So that's part of it. But then, you know, this is where I have to you know get on get on Brad Stevens in this regard. So Grant Williams later on in this series became a lot better guarding the pick and roll when when Bam. They put Bam in that situation. So, and even though Grant, Grant is 6'6. Six, we, six, we figured that you know, out too late, though. Right. But that's what I'm saying. But even when they did figure it out, it was like, okay, you have to stick with it. And there's it too many enough. times that young players, yeah, exactly. There's too many young there's too many times when either Grant Williams or Robert Williams was out there for a short stint and he didn't let them play through their mistakes. And that that's a problem, right? So, if you're counting on these guys to be a major component, because like I said, when, when Hero got hot, Spoke was like, oh, <laughs> he's hot. We're giving it to him. You know what I'm saying? And obviously, Grant Williams or Rob Williams wasn't going to go get you 25 or 30. That's not what they're on the floor for. But if they could get you a few stops, if they can get you a rebound here and there, if they can get you a hustle play, then they've done their job because that's their role in this team. And the fact that they wasn't allowed to do that on a consistent basis, not only in this series, but really throughout the playoffs, really is an indictment to what Brad Stevens uh did as a coach this this uh this playoff so where do you think that thing comes from of the forcing like it seems like it's either smart tatum or brown and sometimes kemba even though he like fell off a little bit in the the playoffs that just get a green light to force their way back into the game and they get to just put up shots to get to get themselves back in the game and get hot they all have the green light on that and it's like very frustrating because i think it's it's the other side of the coin to what you were just saying ray because it's like 
yeah, we need to let our role players get hot and like do work for us, especially when you want to go deep in the playoffs. Like you have to have those guys step up. And we got this, the Miami did this to us before with a totally different squad. They let the role players beat us, you know what I mean? Cause we were throwing bodies at their superstars, but where does that come from? Is that Brad's fault? Or are these players just like, no, this is our team. We got to like get, get back in, you know, like it, it doesn't seem like it's an instruction to me. It does. To, well, to, I'm going to disagree with you. I think it is because I think they're too stiff. I, you, you watch that, and I, I mentioned it while we were watching these games multiple times, where there's four guys out on the perimeter, there's one guy down low, and it's usually not even the biggest guy on the court, which is not how that should be. For, for us, for the C's? For, oh, yo, yeah, absolutely. But we, ha- but we have to play like that because we're so much smaller than, but, than everybody I, underneath the basket. And I understand that, but everybody looked stiff. Everybody looked like they were being told when, how, and where to be on the floor at all times and everyone as you mentioned was given the green light to shoot a three or shoot a deep ball or whatever it was and you mentioned role players but that's that's not that's not role playing right that's everybody doing the same thing expecting a different outcome and to to go along with this point marcus smart took 22 shots in that's absurd that's absurd and and kemba only took 14 yeah, that's not that's that's completely ridiculous. That's what I'm talking about, though. Is that hero ball stuff that they all start doing? It's like there's too many guys. We have like too many guys. Absolutely. Syndrome. You know right. what I mean? It's like I, it's either going to be Tatum or it's going to be nobody at this point. So everybody needs to just like get on the same page with that. And it's almost the same thing that happened with Kyrie. I mean, I know there's a ton to blame for Kyrie, but the share sharing of responsibility has been a constant theme in this in this team. Like, what do you? Yeah, there, there was only one time I feel like that we had a legit pecking order. And that was the IT era, right? Because yeah. you knew the ball was coming to IT. Maybe occasionally Avery Bradley, maybe Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder did hit a few game winners while he was here. Al Horford had a couple of game winners, but you knew when IT was getting the ball, you know, you know, King King of the Fourth, like that. That was his nickname. Because he was like, clutch. Yeah, because he was clutch, right? But you know, once we got Kyrie, you know, the team was much deeper, and it was like, oh, like you know, we can just, you know, we could we could spread it out, but. You know, Kyrie should have been that closer. Um, yeah, but there was too many times was. where it was just like, oh, like, you know, oh, well, pass it there, pass it there. Now, in theory, move, ball movement is what Brad Stevens wants to do, right? That's, that's something you hear him preach. But at the, at this moment now, with him being seven years in, I really think it's a matter of are the players that's there going to buy into what he's saying? Because if when they do buy in, they look damn near unbeatable. You know, so when but when the shot doesn't fall, it's like, oh, now let's go back to ISO. Let's you know, let's drive, and then we kick out to you know to a corner three, which you know, would be fine. Which which would be fine if Tatum was at his his alleged ceiling, because if if Tatum takes a game over like we know he can, that he did less and less as the as the series went on, because he was against more like better and better players, and they were figuring him out a little bit more. But if he can get that together, it doesn't matter as much, right? Because it's like just get the ball to Tatum. It's like you said, pecking order, man, like. The 08 Celtics, I know we always harp on about the 08 Celtics, but the 08 Celtics figuring out their pecking order among like those four, three superstars, fourth like sprouting superstar is a big part of why they were successful because they all trusted each other and they all like deep down were like, Ray gets the shot in this situation, Paul gets the shot in this situation. We do not have that. It looked abject out there. Like who, who the ball goes to was just not decided on and not talked about. And uh, and all movement, sure, but like, there are going to be ISO situations that they have to just get figured out, you know? Right. And I'll, I'll add to that. Right. Cause I think, cause obviously, you know, we, you know, 2020 is, is a year that we've never seen before, as far as just having this longer break in the, uh, in the season. 
But I think we started to see that happen in February, right? So when Tatum found out that he was he was becoming an all star, he went absolutely nuts in in late January, early February. Now something tells me that if they was able to still keep playing, I feel like that pecking order would have been solved, and it just would say, look, he's the guy. This is it. He's he's getting 35, 34, 40 point games against the best teams. Like I saw, he had forty one against the Lakers. He had thirty nine against the Clippers in early February. Like. He was starting to show way. Look, if you give me the ball, I, I could I could take you there. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like you know, it, it was a doubt that crept in. It was it, you know, why didn't uh, they old bring habits? That back I don't know back. what it is, but it was it was it just it reverted back to old old, old habits as opposed to what happened in February, where he started to say, okay, I am the best player. Everyone get out of my way. I'm I think fatigue you. was a factor. You know, I think I think that those are, are factors. I'm not saying they're not, but I think fatigue is a factor too. Like Tatum was the like number one for minutes played on average in the playoffs in the bubble. So uh, I either across the whole bubble or or just the playoffs, he was like number one for minutes played. So that to me means we're throwing a twenty. You know, we have to always remind ourselves. Like I know it's a, a running joke, but like he is not a veteran yet to the point where we can like really rely, like, you know, LeBron didn't win anything for his first six years. I'm not saying he's LeBron, but like, bear with me. He's still a kid. And, you know, there's a lot of responsibility on his shoulders in Boston and almost too much maybe because I, I even caught myself being furious at him for you guys. Remember I was yelling about it on our zoom chat, but for only scoring three points in a, in a half. Cause I was so angry because I'm like, cause I'm thinking back to that time, like the, like the all-star break, leading up to the All-Star break where he was going, he just went every single game. He looked even better than the last game. And yeah, all this stuff happened. Sure. Like we had to shut down, but to me that made him the guy in my head. Like I had decided. And if, cause it seemed like he had decided, so he didn't step up and prove that. And I, you know, that made me really mad, but we have to remember that he's just, he's, he's still a kid. So we can't break, don't break our shiny toy here. You know what I mean? Like this is ceiling still super high. So it's tough. I know it's a tough loss, but we, we still do have a young team. I know I don't want to keep saying that forever, but you know what I mean? Well, let, let's change let's change gears slightly here. And you guys talk about the the age of the team and I think part of the problem just from my standpoint, I think part of the problem is that all these guys are so close in age with maybe the exception of Gordon Hayward. There's a couple of older guys, but everybody's fairly young. I mean, Smart's only been in the league for six years. Part of the problem is that they aren't playing the roles, right, Dave? That's what you said. And, and they're not playing the roles. And the role of Marcus Smart, sure, we saw him come down the court and hit five threes at the end of a game, and that's that's fine. But that's not that's not him. He was just hot that day, and that's just the way it goes, right? Not every pitcher in Major League Baseball is going to throw a no-hitter, and sometimes you find one, uh, you a blind squirrel finds a nut, right? Not every Trent Dilfer in the NFL is going to win a Super Bowl, but sometimes it happens. So we see these issues with the team, and I think we've kind of talked about a lot of their flaws, and Rayshon brought up Brad Stevens being in his seventh year, and he just signed a five-year extension that's going to put him here for – you know, a 12 year stint overall, if he doesn't leave. And Ray, you mentioned some of those teams during the the first half of his uh, seven years here that did have the role players. So two questions, do they have a fundamental flaw and is Brad Stevens the answer? Yeah, they have a fundamental flaw, which is that they don't have a dynamic big man that can keep up with all the dynamic big men that are spread across the, the league right now. So there's no way we win unless we have somebody that's a lot better than than Daniel Tice at the five, in my opinion. So, is it a is it a fixable flaw? 
Absolutely. Like we have these three picks in the first round. We have, sorry to say, Gordon Hayward. Like maybe somebody takes that contract off our hands and we can get someone. You know, I heard Sabonis was discussed some scuttlebutt. Gordon Hayward, and I, you know, I know this has been, I, I hate to bring up this hot button issue, but Gordon Hayward's been a lightning rod of conversation in our group. He did not show up in game six, Ray. Like he did not show up at all in game six. And you have to ask yourself, like, if his performances say, stay this inconsistent, you got to move him on. He's gone after a year anyway, right? No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually I wrote down something I saw earlier. So, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Jared Weiss, but he's a part of the uh, the Athletic. So he, he talked about Indiana wanting to move on from Oladipo. So um, I actually saw a trade that, that this fan wrote, but I thought it was pretty cool. So it was going to be Hayward, Tice, Langford, and the 14th pick to Indiana for Oladipo and, uh, and uh, Miles Turner. I'll now, do that to yesterday. Be, now, now, to be honest, yeah, exactly. I, I do that. <laughs> hey. You need me to meet you at Logan, buddy? I'll, 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 I'll drive. I'll, 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 I'll drive. Yeah, I'll drive. I'll the airport right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Uber, whatever, whatever you need. Like, see, see you later. So, <laughs> you know, and like I said, and I've been, I've been the biggest Hayward supporter in the group. But it's just like that, that type of deal. See, see yeah, you. That's you know. Rap. So, yeah. um, that man. helps for him because yeah. he is from Indianapolis, right? And, and you know, just had a baby. Like, you know, hey, you know, be, be a smaller family. market. See you later. Sure. <laughs> Smaller market, he, he'll have time to come back from his injury somewhere else. Maybe somebody will take on his contract. And it's funny you, you mentioned that, Rayshon, because I wrote down the same exact thing because I saw the same exact trade proposal, and I went, I got, I got to put this in here. And I, I should have known you had seen it, but I was trying to be that guy, right? But, Joe, but, to your question, to your question, is Brad Stevens the answer? Was that your question? Well, that if was Gordon the second Hayward, I, I can answer that, if, I can answer that Hay- too, if, Let me say this, though. If Gordon Hayward gets, gets shipped out, a big part of – Brad Stevens like negative downside goes with him because there is a huge thing that Brad doesn't see when, when Gordon Hayward's not playing well. And he always gives him more, more rope and more minutes than another player in his position and in his context might deserve. And it's just a fact, you know, which is fine. I mean, they're together in college. Like I get it. A a lot of coaches have that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of coaches have that bias towards guys that they've either coached at the college level or they've they've had success with in the past. And you're just not everybody is going to have success everywhere. We've seen you it guys can so have beers when you're not on company time. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I, I don't, I agree, I don't I agree see your relationship blossom on the court. You know what I mean? So it's like just figure that out somewhere else. So I'm not saying all, you agree. I'm just it's just like, ugh, stop it. So but we I, all agree I, you you trade Hayward for for Oladipo, and I know there's more to the trade. Wait, wait, no, not, not not just him though, because no, 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 no. I, that's what I just yeah, said. I, I, no, 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 I understand. But what I'm saying is, you you trade Hayward and those other pieces, including the 14th overall pick in the draft, for Turner and Oladipo. Um, Sunday night after Game Six loss, you, you would just get here Hayward so we can drive you to the airport to send you to Indianapolis. Yeah, and I. Shit, I'll I'll add I'll add two other I add two other first round picks too. Like, hey, swing the deal. Like, take take it all. Yeah, I don't care. We, we, don't, we, don't, care we, don't, we don't need we don't need all those right. draft picks at this moment. So, take 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 the 14th, 26th, and 30th pick, Romeo Layford, Tice, and Hayward, and hey, see see you later. You know, but you know, at, at the end of the day too, like they do need a more veteran presence too. So yes, Miles Turner and Oladipo would fit the timeline from a year standpoint because Oladipo was only twenty eight, and then. uh uh, Miles Turner just turned 24 earlier this year, so you know he was the first round pick. Tw- 28 is still is still veteran presence on the on no, this I mean, team. It, 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 no, it, it I, is, I'm, but it's like you know, 
but it's it's amazing how we think that now at 28 that that's a veteran guy when it's like to me that's still young. But they they need to get some guys like. Could you imagine if we had got Iguodala at at the at the trade? Well, line? yeah, Iggy 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 Finals, right? Iggy Finals. Yeah, it's just saying, a good luck charm, like, whatever happens. You know, <laughs> totally. Yeah, but listen, you know? the problem we had, and you kept saying it, right? And it was true. It's like they weren't. You know, it's like they're just taking perimeter shots. They're just taking perimeter shots, and mm-hmm. you drive the basketball. When they drive the basketball, it works. The reason they they weren't able to do it all game is like that's tiring. You know what I mean? Especially when you have such a small presence down low. If you drive and you have a big man there, I mean, I know we don't play basketball like this anymore. I know it's not the 90s. But you can. But if you drive and you have a a presence in there, the Heat did it to us all series with Bam. They just, if if you split the lane and you get that short lane run up, you can just toss it up to him. He'll finish at the rim. We just do not have that at all. Offensively. Cancer kind of. They didn't use it enough. Rob, Rob Williams could be that guy. So yes, you, I know you love I know you love Rob Williams. No, no, no. I'm saying and I, and I love him for his upside too. Rim, though he could be yes. that guy though. Yes, but he also still has to be on the court to do all the other stuff. Right. Well, that's like, on Brad though. That's on Brad. It's not, no. it's not his fault. It's on Brad. All right. So hang on a sec. We we we've talked about we've talked about the players. We we've gone over that first uh, trade rumor with Oladipo and Turner. But let's answer the question right now. Seven years he's been here. Brad Stevens. He just signed a five year extension. The answer, let, let me give you the answer. He's got to get to a finals, right? He's been here seven years. He's had the opportunity. So to me is to get to the finals. And if he's here for five more years, he's got to win an NBA championship. Can it, Changing the question of is he the answer to can he do it? He can do it. He hasn't been given his win with this team, team yet. He hasn't been given his team where they say, like, okay, all the pieces are in place. We don't have anything else to move. This is who you have. Go and win with them. That team doesn't exist yet. We're still a year or two away from it. I know it feels fresh because we just got bounced out. But it's a very long-term project, longer term than I think we've seen in the NBA in recent seasons. We can go one of two, with the exception of the 76ers, we can go one of two ways. We can go 76ers way where we, we're firing coaches and we're moving stuff around and like this, this, that, and the other, or we let the man build to the end and we put all our eggs in that basket. Cause we're, we're already in too deep anyway with Brad Stevens. There's, there's no upside to getting rid of him and having another coach come in here, you know? So I hope so. I hope he's the answer, but like he better be at this point. All right, Ray, you told us you had the answer. Let's hear it. Yeah, no, I, I think that he is the answer, man. You know, like I said, you know, he, he pisses me off at times, but he definitely is the answer. I think every um, coach pisses us off. I mean, Belichick pisses <laughs> us off at times, and he's been here right. 21 years and won us six Super Bowls. But you can't say that people don't doubt Bill Belichick. So if they're doubting him, you have every right and every oh, right, of course, of reason. Course. I've, never, I've never been mad at Jurgen Klopp once in my entire life, just for the record. Well, you know what? I don't think many people can. Have you seen the man? <laughs> he's, he's, a great, he's a great guy, uh, a wonderful coach. But we, while we know you've been mad at Mark Tressman and uh, Matt Nagy and, and all those guys. So, oh, yeah. Mark Tressman, uh, wow. So, <laughs> that, that, that was a throwback name right there. Jeez. <laughs> right. So we, all, we all agree. Brad Stevens is currently the answer. I agree with you, Dave, that you can't. You can't move on to someone else. And, I i mean, you know, we have other teams now. Doc Rivers uh, parts ways mutually. We all know what that means uh, with the Clippers. Um, Steve Ballmer says that it was – I, I kind of believe the guy – of all the guys in the NBA, he's kind of one of the good guys when he says, you know, well, we, do, we agreed to part ways. You could have Doc Rivers back in the East. And could you imagine, though, all these teams that are – 
like, yeah, get, get Doc to New Orleans. Bring, bring Doc to, you know, um, where else did they have him going? Philadelphia. Can you imagine if people were like, ah, Brad out, Doc in? Could you imagine that conversation? That's not a question. I don't want to go down that road. It's just something that popped into my head, so I'm not going to go there. But here's another trade that was brought up. We brought up the, the Oladipo and Turner uh, for Hayward and, and everything else. Wait, uh, wait. Can we go back one second, though? I just want to say oh, one boy, thing about Doc, Ri- Doc Rivers getting fired. Fully deserved to get fired. Oh, that. absolutely. 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 Like with, I, just, I know we don't have a lot to talk about because it's like, that's you're, you're out. Like, even more so. Than, no. Okay, go on, Joe. Go ahead. All right. What, one more point on the Celtics, and then I have one overall NBA question. So the, the, the last point on the Celtics is another trade was rumored this afternoon as I'm driving home. I start seeing everything blow up. Um, you should focus on the road, man. I, I, I was, but when you're listening to the radio and, you know, you just – I, I, nope, not going to go into it because I'm going to get myself <laughs> in trouble. Um, so there was a rumor out there, and this might be a stretch, but Marcus Smart and whatever package it takes, because it, it clearly can't be a straight-up package, uh, but to Golden State for the number two overall pick. I think it's outlandish, but it's a rumor, and it deserves to be talked about because we talked about it in our Slack and I think we all agree we need a veteran presence, as Ray has said multiple times already in the last half hour. We need a big man. There's I one... just I can't watch this. I can't watch his builds anymore. Like that. I like I don't want the second overall pick in the draft. Honestly, I don't know how Ray feels, but come on. I mean, we just how many rookies have we had to wait on? Well, that's what I'm saying. Right? But but it, but you don't need to you don't need to use it, right? So you can trade that away. Who, More draft picks gonna... to trade. There's always like going to be a package of draft picks to trade. Like, let's go get players. But we, but we don't. But we don't have anything to trade now. And if we if we trade, so let me ask Ray then. Ray, if we if we trade uh, Hayward the fourteenth, Tice and who is the other player? Really? Romeo Langford to Indiana for Oladipo and Turner. Is that enough to keep Marcus Smart here? Not even worry about this trade, and just go ahead with with the 2021 season or the 2020 2021 season Oof. yeah I, I i think so i mean i still think there would be more work to be done obviously but i think that would be a start you know you have to to me i also they need to get rid of semi-old too like please, please. That's just good. That's, i i just I, i've i've held off on that long enough but i've never seen anyone get more clout off of one series because we guarded Giannis for a few for a few games back in 2017 like that oh god i <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not i'm not gonna go there but, but, he, but he, he that, has to go too but isn't that how I, it goes in the nba i don't want i don't want i don't want the number two pick either like like dave said but um i did write about this so you can you can read that article on wordpress so plug that but i if, if they are going to go that route that they use a draft pick so i would trade i think detroit has a number seven pick so i would trade i would trade with detroit if they're not going to get oladipo turner i would trade up with detroit and talk to them about hey for the seventh pick, we'll give you the 14th, 26th, or 30th. Since you're looking to rebuild, and you know they have to sign Christian Wood, they have to build around Blake Griffin. So there's a lot of pieces they need to fill there. They do with that, that seventh pick then to get to get that guy out of Iowa State um, that I've been telling y'all about. Um, his name is Tyrese uh, Halliburton, like six five guard, one eighty, uh, shot shot fifty percent from the field, forty one from three. What are we getting? 80, what are we going to get line. a guard for? What are we going? What are we going to get a guard for? Because I, I don't think they have a guard off the bench that could do what he does, and it's, it's damn sure he's Brad Wanamaker. He he is not the answer. Dude, I don't want more. 
guards, bro. I want a big well, man. All please. right. So what, yeah, what if right, you, you can you could get that? But I'm saying like I just I think to me he he would be the best player available at that spot because Wiseman is gone. Unless unless you get the number two pick, when you get someone like James Wiseman, so you're just Memphis, Belichicking it. You're Belichicking it. You're saying uh, just take the best available on, yeah, take, player. Yeah, take, every yeah, time. take the best player. He's the best player at, at that spot in my opinion. The kid from Memphis, right? Is that's because that was going to be my oh, final. Why, yeah, Wiseman. Wiseman would be the number two pick in my opinion behind Anthony Edwards. Yeah. So you go get Wiseman. So you trade away Smart. You go get Wiseman. You may not get the Oladipo Turner return for Hayward. So you keep Hayward at least until halfway through the season. Maybe trade him. See if somebody will take on the contract for a rental, and then try and sign him back. But now you now you have the kid from Memphis, you have Hayward, and you have no smart. Is that a team that's good enough to contend? Absolutely not. No, I agree. That's yeah, that's I, that's I, why I, I'm yeah, asking so, the question. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think, and I don't want to say absolutely not. Just leave it at that. Like, I, I don't think that that's something. Like, I, Dan, Danny, he has a rational love for certain players. Like Rozier was one of them. I'm surprised that yeah, he had let Rozier go. So I'm surprised. <laughs> um, but I mean, Kemba wasn't upgrade, obviously, but. Um, Marcus Smart is next in line with that. Like he loves Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, I think, reminds him of himself from when he played. Um, so I think that's why I don't see Marcus Smart going anywhere, unless it was something that just completely blew Danny away. Um, but the issue is because Danny Ainge has fleeced so many GMs over the years. To me, he backs out of certain deals that might make us better. Yeah. Yep. Because it's like, well, if I if I don't think I can get the best out of if I can't Brooklyn Nets you, I'm not gonna make the deal. And that that's the problem. And I think that's prevented us from doing certain things in certain years because it's like, you know what, if I'm not getting the best deal, so to speak, <laughs> where I'm getting a million draft picks. I still love what he does it though. <laughs> yeah, that's why they call him that's why they call him Trader Danny. Times where he's been he's been kind of, you know, he he stood pat and it's like, no, like we have a team that could win. Now, if you knew behind the scenes that someone was injured or playing with, uh, you know, not playing with, not playing the way that she wanted to play, then you say, you know what, we're not ready, then I get that. But, you know, as fans, we don't know that. We're just saying, like, look, this team is in the top three of the East. We need to compete, you know? So, but who knows? But like I say, yeah, I don't, I don't think getting a number two pick no. and letting go of smart changes anything. I just think that if, if you, like, but if you make that deal for Oladipo and Turner, and then maybe go get like a, you know, I, I don't know, someone like a Rashawn Holmes from Sacramento, even like a Willie Collins Stein out of Dallas, like someone like that, that could be like a Tyson Chandler, Clint Capella type guy. Um, that would work perfectly in Brad Stevens' uh, offense, defense too. All right. Who, by the time everyone listens to this, the NBA Finals will be one game deep. It's the Los Angeles Lakers against the Miami Heat. The NBA couldn't have scripted it better. Who wins the series? Lakers by by so much. <laughs> Lakers like and I, how many? Five. Lakers and five, Ray? Uh, I'll say Lakers and six. I, I think that Bam's emergence just wasn't with the Celtics series. I think we're going to see him emerge even further. And because he plays so hard, he's going to make AD work hard. And, of course, AD is going to win that matchup. You know, it's Kentucky versus Kentucky there. But AD... It's phenomenal, but Bam is really starting to to catch people's eyes. So LeBron's got the eye of the tiger right now, though he's doing that LeBron. You no, know, I mean he he, he, def- right, he, he definitely is. does. But his blood in the water, right? But between what Bam has done and then the way that Miami can shoot, that will keep them in a couple of games. So I think that will end up winning them a game. 
Yeah, I think we'll see a more Lakers have closed summer. so well too. Like we oh, they have, they have, like, absolutely, absolutely. We, we kept getting absolutely. up on them and we couldn't get it done, you know. And it's like right. the Lakers' right. ability to close, I think, will because like just right. the whole narrative surrounding that last series that they're in. Right, um, right. Because, like, they, the Nuggets had come back, and it was like, oh, and it was just like, we're not the Clippers. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, right, no doubt. Like, so, I mean, yeah, so, Dave, you say five. Like, so I, I say I say Lakers win in six, though. Yeah. All right, so Lakers in five for Dave, Lakers in six for, for Ray. I can't disagree. I really want to. I really would love to tell you that the Heat are going to win this series just to see LeBron not win so we could have a narrative and something to talk about in two weeks and – you know, without getting into it, we've already talked about LeBron's legacy. So uh, when you're listening to this, go back and download the uh, seven-minute episode that myself, Mike Marcangelo, and Bob Kelly had, the bonus episode uh, from last week on LeBron's legacy. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with, with Ray Sean here and say Lakers and six. I think it's going to be a fun series to watch. I think both of these teams are good. Uh, Miami is fast. Uh, they're young. They're very smart. They don't make a lot of mistakes, and the Lakers have LeBron and KD. So um, that's the way that's going to go. All right, guys, and now it's time for this week's Forrest Gump Award. The Forrest Gump Award. Beloved American hero Forrest Gump is the namesake for our weekly award show given to one lucky or unlucky member of the sports community. Forrest Gump, a seemingly dumb guy doing smart things, surrounded by seemingly smart people doing dumb things. So... Who is this week's dumbest smart guy or smartest dumb guy in the wide world of sports? Your host will decide based on the contributors' nominees. And away we go! God, what's your sole purpose in this army? To do whatever you tell my drill sergeant? God damn it, Gump! You're a goddamn genius! That's the most outstanding answer I've ever heard. You must have a goddamn IQ of 160. You are goddamn gifted, Private Gump. All right. Appreciate the honors. So, I have to go with the Atlanta Falcons owner, Arthur Blank. Or Blanc, however you say it. Uh, I guess he was shooting Blank. No, I'm just kidding. No, but... <laughs> it uh, is Blank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so... Um, it's amazing. It's dumb. T- it's amazing to me, or dumb to me, that um, he's still employing Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, you know how many how many blown leads do you need, you know, to see before you say, hey, you know what, you know, before we get off this plane, I want to let you know that you're that you're relieved of your duties, <laughs> or we're going to mutually part ways, you know. So you know, obviously he's smart. You know, you know, you're a businessman. You know, you know how to make money. That's great. But you know, his, his decision to keep Dan Quinn around. You know, after what happened in Super Bowl Fifty One, what happened against the Cowboys, and now what's happening against um, against Chicago a few days ago, like it's just, it's 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 comical. Like he he's he's definitely he should he's he's definitely my nominee and really should be the winner of the uh, Forrest Gump Award this week. Way to lobby for yourself, Dave. Go ahead. Wow. That was yeah. That's going to be a tough act to follow, um, mainly because you had such heavy material with the idiocy that's going on over there at the Atlanta Falcons. When I woke up this morning, I had a surefire uh, Forrest Gump Award nominee, and it was going to be uh, Matt Ryan because he just looks—he's the face of that franchise, and he just looks so stupid every time they do that, and it's kind of his fault every time. But I've pivoted since, and I'm actually going to nominate the future record-holding Forrest Gump award winner because he's going to win a lot. Um, I'm going to nominate John Gruden. So John Gruden, um, 
is a really dumb guy, but he did a really smart thing this week. He did a really, really smart thing this week. He decided to blow the game against the Patriots because he had them in his sights. He's two games up, you know, running in, sees the Pats. The Pats come out there and look sloppy, you know. Cam can't get it going. First time you've really seen him make some boneheaded, I don't really understand the offense mistakes, which is like still cool, whatever. And Gruden manages to not manage the clock effectively at all, kick kick field goals when he shouldn't have, do all the dumb John Gruden-y things that you could possibly do to blow a game of football, and then manages to blow the game of football. Gets out coached by Bill Belichick, no surprise there. And that's a smart thing that John Gruden did because he was up two games and people were starting to talk about him. And that little voice in his head that said, you're John Gruden, okay? You're not very smart. You got to get, and then you got to find a big, a big bunch of money. And that little voice was like, you know what? You're in too deep. You got to get some of that attention off you. You got to cruise this team to a nice 10, a nice 10 and six <laughs> at, at most, and then go away early in the playoffs. Cause nobody should be asking you any questions. That's a smart man that day. John Gruden, you're my Forrest Gump nominee. I, I'm trying to, I don't know if you're a politician or you are John Gruden in disguise trying to throw the Forrest Gump award. So here's my take. Here's my take on both of those things. <laughs> so, he's, he's at least, least going to be a record holder in nominations. Absolutely. So here's, here's my thought on, on uh, Arthur Blank. Um, Lowe's is better than Home Depot. Uh, Home, uh, Arthur Blank owns Home Depot. Um, Ray, when we started the season and we did our AFC NFC predictions, I didn't have Dan Quinn. I had the AFC, right? I was on the other side. So I had Zach Taylor as my first coach gone. There are two coaches in the NFL that should go long before Zach Taylor. And I'm starting to come around to what Bobby said about Joe Burrow being in Cincinnati. Like that Cincinnati team is bad, but they don't look awful, if that makes sense, right? So they just extended Joe Mix and everything else, whatever. We're not really talking about them. We're talking about the Atlanta Falcons. I also don't want to put in the Super Bowl against New England where they blew a 25-point lead into this. While, while it's the same coach, the same owner, the same quarterback, it's not the exact same team. What you have to look at it's is the fact – somebody's fault, though. No, it's no, absolutely. somebody's it, fault. Right, it, right, it is. Exactly. But, but, they, but let's talk about – It's talk John about right Gruden's now. fault. <laughs> it's not John Gruden's <laughs> fault that the Atlanta Falcons blew a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. That's not true at all. What I see is that Dan Quinn can't close, right? Always be closing, and he can't. So Dan Quinn should be gone for his overall track record, but you're absolutely right, Rayshon. Like, if we just want to talk about 2020, he should have come in with a short leash to begin with, and he blew multiple 15-point leads in one season. That has never happened in the history of the NFL. 100 years, that has never yeah, happened. But- the only person with a, with a longer track record in that organization of blowing championship games and blowing leads is Matt Ryan. And he's got, even back in college against Virginia Tech, he choked. So he are choked you saying that Super Matt Bowl. Ryan should be cut? I'm not, saying right he should be, I'm not saying he should be cut. I'm just saying, like, if you bring a different coach in, all right, is, the, is there a 0% chance that ever happens again? Not with Matty Ice as your quarterback. I love the guy, you know, sure. BC product, but he's just kind of proven that he doesn't have that killer instinct when it comes to like putting a game away. Like I just, that's just never happened to Tom Brady. You know sure. what I mean? I know that's a tough comparison, but like, or Aaron well, Rodgers or Drew so, Brees. So, 
So my other point on that is to get back to that. You're absolutely right about those guys. But my other point was about the coaches that I think should go before Zach Taylor. Uh, it's Dan Quinn and Adam Gase. And Dan Quinn should actually absolutely be gone. And, and Ray, we, we do have to talk about that, right? Because you mentioned how Matt Ryan has done this under multiple coaches, similar, similar outcomes, similar performances, right? Not a bad quarterback, just can't finish. You look at Aaron Rodgers, who's now had multiple coaches in Green Bay and is still the same player, right? But he's just, he's just got that killer instinct, so, ec- literally echoing every, everything Dave just said. But Gase, I mean, Gase is the same thing, right? Because like, his quarterback is just underperforming. But his, uh, his quarterback is underperforming because he ruins quarterbacks, and he has a history of doing that. So now I'm going to switch gears over to Dave and, and look at um, John Gruden. I can understand why you don't like Chucky. Um, it's a scary movie. I don't like horror movies either, but that's no reason not to like a guy because he ruined a Super Bowl for you in 2003. Uh, when he, beat he didn't, him first him. of all, he didn't ruin a Super Bowl for me. I, I didn't have a horse in the race. He ruined a Super Bowl for America. So, you know, he, he, How did he ruin the, the Super Bowl for America. Make your case. The, was was that not the most boring Super Bowl you've ever watched? I've watched so many boring. So do you remember the Super Bowl between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Arizona Cardinals? That was a was chess boring. match. It's a chess match. No, no, that, that, no, no, you're not, you're no going to get, you're going to get Ray shot fired up. No way. There, was two, there was two dope catches at the end of that. Right, but, I, but no, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If you, that to me, even though they smacked Oakland, like, which was beautiful for me, because everybody was talking shit about what happened the year before with us, all the talk rule. Now I'll go the year before we won. When the Giants got demolished by the Ravens, to me, that was that was probably the most boring. You lost thirty-five to seven. Yeah, but I love like, that Ravens defense. I mean, yeah, they were great. So inter- it was so moves, entertaining like, to I mean, watch. My God, you know, so entertaining to watch them just so, like, kill people. Point is, I have to pick a winner. <laughs> Whoops. And the winner, yeah, I'm, of, I'm ready. Drum, drum roll, man. Let's make it happen. Let's go. We don't need we, Craig. Insert drum roll here. Uh, the winner of the Forrest Gump Award for this week is Rayshon Buchanan and his ah, yeah, yeah, As if you didn't see that coming, John Gruden, ah, take your mask off. Ah, come on. So, I'll tell you, I, I can't believe I lost my, my first time with my, my own invented award. I want to kick in the ball. I want to say thank you. and uh, Design know, the next game. Four more wins, baby. Let's get it. That's right. <laughs> Never so know what you get out of them. Both of our wow. Forrest Gump Award nominees were in the NFL, and that's where the second half of the show is going to take us um, into the NFL week three. Guys, what a week this this was from beginning to end. Um, and Dave, let's let's start with you because this Chicago Bears team interests uh-huh. me so much <laughs> of the teams with a winning record in the NFL right now. Because you have two weeks where Mitch Trubisky goes out and wins them two games, essentially, right? Big fourth quarter comeback in week one. Uh, I'm pretty sure he just did it again in week two. But then in week three, the narrative changes, and the Bears yank Mitch Trubisky for Nick Nick Foles, and Nick Foles goes out and gets the W. What is going on with your Chicago Bears? So I think – that Matt Nagy's playing 3D chess is what's, is what's <laughs> happening. I think that he, if you remember, I was back in Trubisky because he came out and said he won the camp. You know, he kind of won the QB off in the, in the you know, defunct, the, the, you know, shitty offseason that we had. So 
I was like, cool, put Trubisky in. Maybe we can see something here. I think that Matt Nagy knows he's, he's basically one. He's got one more quarterback before he gets fired. So I think he's going, I need to justify, I need to take the pressure of Trubisky sitting on the bench and looking at Nick Foles as a narrative out. And I need to pull them at the exact right time. And I think he knew that they were going to come back against the Falcons because the Falcons stink and they love blowing leads. And I think that he was like, this is when I'm going to get everybody to get fired up for Nick Foles because he's going to come in and win this, this game. If he lets Trubisky win them the game, that's a tough decision for the next week. You know what I mean? Because it's like, what? He just won us another game. Like, you got to get him in there. And he knows that Trubisky's the guy that's going to get him fired. <laughs> he can see it in Trubisky's eyes that he's the guy who's going to get him fired. So Nick Foles comes out, throws three touchdowns. Should have been four because I don't know if you saw that decision. Yeah. But uh, that was trash. There was no – they called it a touchdown and there was no discernible evidence to overturn that into an interception and a touchback. Awful. So fine. But fine. He still – they still blew the lead even though the rest the – rest, uh, waved off two different touchdown throws. One of them was definitely not a catch, but they waved off two different touchdown throws. Should have been four for Nick on the day. And now Nick's the starting QB. So really good job, Matt Nagy. Way to play that 3D chess. Way to take Mitch out as a factor. The Mitch Trubisky era is over. It was nice having you. It was a cool 45-yard run that you had on Sunday. And bye, <laughs> Nick Foles all the way. So we're backing Nick Foles in Chicago. Um Here's an interesting stat in week three, including the Chicago Bears. Um, Every team, 28 of the 32 teams in the NFL scored more than 20 points in week three, with the exception of the Jaguars, the Giants, the Chargers, and the uh, the Jets and the Broncos, so five teams. I missed out on the Giants because I forgot they were an NFL team. Five teams – don't score more than 20 points. Um, the Dolphins take care of the Jaguars. The 49ers beat up on the Giants without Jimmy Garoppolo, which was amazing to me. The Giants, we look at all these other teams that we think the Jaguars are bad. The Giant, both of those teams in East Rutherford, New Jersey, are terrible. Um, we had our first tie in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is one I, I want to jump on because we all talked at the beginning, or at least I talked at the beginning of the season about how bad I thought the Bengals would be. And you guys kind of talked me off the ledge with the, hey, it's Joe Burrow's show, give it time. But let's f- flip the script here. How bad is that Eagles team? Because not only are they bad, they don't have fans in the stands. And walking off the field on Sunday, the uh, sound guy in Philadelphia booed Carson Wentz coming off the field. How bad is this? <laughs> is that real? How, that, that's real. <laughs> how, how bad is this Eagles team? Really bad. Really, really bad. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, uh, that overtime, I watched it. I don't know why, how I got stuck on watching that. Like, it must have been some lull in between games, watching that overtime between uh, uh, Philadelphia and, and Cincinnati. It was like watching two blind kids trying to fight each other. It was like they just couldn't, they couldn't get anything done. I was like, what are you, is no one going to score? Are you just going to trip over yourselves until, until like the game's over? And we're going to shake hands and go home. It's pathetic. Like I've seen ties in the NFL when like two teams, like butt heads, you know, the way like I always make the joke, like, like if it's a low scoring game, it's like, Oh, what is this? The Steelers versus the Ravens. If it's like five to three, yeah, like that's like a Steelers Ravens score line at late in like the third quarter. <laughs> but it's like, so it's like two guys like canceling each other out, beating each other up. We love seeing it okay, fine, it's a tie. You know, I'm bet more okay with ties than probably most of you guys because there's ties in the main sport I watch in soccer, so I'm, I'm good with it. 
But that tie was pathetic. It was. Oh my god, they should have they should have been banned from playing more, the next game. More they both pa- should just concede. More pathetic for Philly. More pathetic for Philly than Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati. Carson, Carson well. Wentz. I you know I didn't see the whole game of Carson Wentz. It seemed like he had opportunities to throw it all day and he didn't get it done and he's just not that good you know who is good the guy who won a super bowl for that team nick Foles. oh nick Foles, who's now the quarterback of the chicago bears i agree with yeah. you carson wentz is the mitch trubisky in philadelphia that's going to get <laughs> doug peterson fired ray ray let me ask you because we already heard we already heard dave's take on the raiders patriots game uh where he just thinks that john gruden blew it Patriots win 36 to 20 over the Raiders. I think it was a better game for the Patriots than people might give them credit for. So far they've they've uh they've beaten the two teams that they should and probably lost to the team that they should lose to. What did you think of the Patriots offense in this game? Uh basically going back to what Dave said about Cam Newton, a couple of interesting decisions, but what was your thoughts on on the game plan and the offensive execution? I, I, I was very impressed with how the running game looked on Sunday. Obviously, you know, when you go for 250 yards, I mean, that's, you know, that's college type numbers. So it hasn't happened too often in the NFL. So I was happy to see that, you know, it was good to see Sonny Michelle get going too. you know, you know, uh, Bob has been probably the biggest, you know, hater of Sony Michelle in our in our group. But, you know, take that Bob. You know, Sony went off on Sunday. So, you know, that was a good sign to see. You know, obviously he's underperformed at times, but hopefully it's something that is a is a sign to come. You know, um JJ Taylor to me looks like Deion Lewis 2.0. And I hope they find more ways to incorporate him in the offense because I think that eventually he can be that guy that's, you know, that change of pace back that's, you know, that's really needed in the NFL. So, um, but more importantly, it was good to see that Cam didn't have to have a game throwing for 350, mm-hmm. like three total touchdowns for them to win. So to go 17 to 28 from 162, um, even though he, he had a turnover. So to have a really, a really pedestrian performance like he did in week one, um, even though week one's 155 looked better than the 162, but you know, to be pedestrian as he was on Sunday and they still win by 15 really to me is a good sign. Um, hopefully they just get better defensively though. So I, I have to make some points on that. I, I still think Sony Michelle is on his way out. I don't think Sony Michelle is very good. Um, you know, we, we made the, the Dave, I'm sorry, not Dave, Bob made the comment that Nick Chubb went after Sony Michelle in that draft. Um, I think that's a good point. I don't, I don't think Sony Michelle is the, the, the answer at running back in new England. I don't think JJ Taylor's the answer at running back for new England. And I don't think the Rex Burkhead is either, but so here's what I think. I, I think that they recognized that uh, James white would have been a big help against Seattle and they used uh, Dion Lewis 2.0, which I really like JJ Taylor. So don't, don't take my last comment, uh, as, as a total negative. I think he's a hard runner. I think he is able to get to the outside and hit the corner. Unlike many running backs in new England have been able to do in the last two decades. I think he allows them to be more dynamic and they do need to get him more involved in the offense. But I think he was a fill in for James white while he's out. And I think the way they incorporated Rex Burkhead this weekend and to your point, Ray brought all four of the, the backs I'm, I'm counting Cam Newton as, as one of those backs, the way they brought all four of them into the game plan and allowed them to run wild. I just don't think 
the Raiders were ready for Rex Burkhead. I don't think it was a matter of uh, John Gruden blowing the game. I just don't think he recognized that uh, they had Rex Burkhead in the backfield and that he was going to have as big of a day as he had. I don't think he's ever going to have a game that good in his career ever again. But I think when they get James White back, you're going to see this offense click even more. And for them to click as well as they did this weekend and still have those mistakes because – Dave mentioned it in his point earlier about how uh, he made mistakes. He did make mistakes. He came, there was a lot of throws or uh, adjustments in the run game that he made that maybe he should have done something differently. And and that was concerning to me. I think James White coming back, hopefully next week is going to help that for Cam Newton and that offense. I just don't see room in the offense for four running backs um, when they had to try and incorporate three this week. And, and granted, I think it made it busier for the Raiders than it did for the Patriots. But to, to have to incorporate another guy in, I think, I, I think Sonny Michelle is going to be the odd man out. I mean, it's a fun offense. You know, it's a fun offense to watch, but it does make you kind of wish. You know, I'm not a Patriots fan, but it does make you kind of wish there was more weapons in there like real weapons that he could like really exploit and use like between cam and uh and josh mcdaniels but like yeah i mean sony michelle's not the answer what were nikhil harry's numbers like this this week yeah two passes he didn't score at all like he's so inconsistent for you guys too and it's like it's sort, sort of the same issues that you had last year you just have a lot more dynamism at quarterback now which like josh mcdaniels can work with but you can still see the same issues like the weapons aren't really there so Unless unless they can kind of figure out this weird special offense that they're running and like you know win games, uh, that like by driving down the field really fast, like you know close out. I don't know. I still don't see them as going all the way with some of the eliteness that I see, I've seen around the rest of the league. Well, especially when you have two teams in your conference alone in Kansas City and Baltimore, and Kansas City made Baltimore look like a JV team last night uh, or on Monday Night Football this week, um, and I still think Baltimore is one of the better teams in the league. Um, yeah, they're really good. My, 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 my early pick for Super Bowl right now, going into week four of the NFL season, is Kansas City and Seattle. I just I think both of those teams are, are so far ahead of everybody else. But going back to your, your Patriots point, I agree. I think on, this, is, this is the negative, right, to me, where Cam Newton can succeed – We've seen it in the NFL. He has succeeded. He's been to the playoff four times in nine years. He's been to a Super Bowl. Um, He's been rookie of the year. He's been offensive player of the year twice. He's been MVP, right? We know the guy can play, and we know he's a coachable player because every coach he's played for has said that about him. They said that about him at Florida. They said it about him at Auburn. They said uh, uh, Ron Rivera said it about him in in Carolina. And I don't think Cam's going to be your problem, though. No, no, no. But that's what I'm getting to is that that Josh McDaniel said it just today about him. But when you look at the pieces that are put around him. I think he needs something closer to top tier at a position, right? He had Greg Olson for all those years. He doesn't have anything near a Greg Olson in New England. Um, He had Steve Smith at the beginning of his career at wide receiver. He 
I mean, he's got Julian Edelman, but to me, Steve Smith was a better wide receiver in the NFL than Julian Edelman, and he he didn't get his due at the end of the day. I mean, that guy probably should have won multiple Super Bowls. But even too. but even receivers, sure. But like, look at what Rodgers is doing in Green Bay. Like he he doesn't have a ton of weapons to throw the ball to. But, but that's what I, he's got the because he's got the best running back in like that he's ever played with probably like that I can remember. Yeah. He he has these this backfield weapon and he's just using it and he's like doing a little Tom Brady action like across the t- like just short little out routes and stuff. You can make that work. You, what you can't make work is a guy like him who's just completely by himself. And that's know? what I was getting to with with that point and that that was kind of my long way around it was that Cam Newton needs something. He needs that he needs that one piece. He needs that Greg Olson, that Steve Smith, that, that Christian McCaffrey. He needs that one piece where Tom Brady, a lot of the time, made, those, made guys that piece, right? We, we've talked about the 2001 Super Bowl already on the podcast. Go back and check that out. The first championship rewrap that we did hosted by Bob Kelly. That's on our channel as well. Tom Brady, a lot of times, did not have a dude. Really, the only times he had dudes on offense was Corey Dillon and Randy Moss. Besides that, we I can't point to a guy that was an Rob absolute Gronkowski. Gronk, uh, an absolute superstar. Yes, Gronk is one of the best tight ends of all time. He was he's definitely Brady's best ever weapon too. I, I think he is his best ever weapon, and I think he's his biggest binky as well, which isn't a bad thing. I, I don't say that in a, every every guy, every person needs their binky, right? Long and short of it is, because now I'm trying to get around this, because Craig got in my head by by chiming in there with Rob Gronkowski. Because so those are his big three weapons. So Cam needs one, but the point is, is I agree with Dave that Cam needs that guy. He needs that dude more than Tom Brady needs that dude. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's that's okay, obviously. Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, but like he said in the press conference, which I love that he said that because I'm I'm not sure that people were expecting that answer from him when they said, "Oh, so, you know, wh- what do you think this offense needs, or do you think the guy is in the room?" And he said, "Oh, or who do you think is the next big weapon?" He was like, "Well, it's here in the room," and I love that answer from him. Like whether he thought it or not, like the fact that he mm-hmm. actually said that in public was was great to me because I think it, it it gives that confidence and. You know, I, I mean, I, we've talked about Nakir Harry in the past, but I feel like he is someone that I think is adapting to how Cam leads as, as opposed to how Brady led last year. And hopefully that's something that is a sign of the future that he does start to grow. Like I said, you're right, Dave. He has been inconsistent right now, so that's that, that's the unfortunate part. But um, hopefully he is someone that can be that weapon. You know, when, when you're 6'4", 225, I mean – you know, obviously the sky should be the limit, but it hasn't been the case so far. So, you know, hopefully, you know, it, it, it turns around um, go, going forward. So we'll see. So uh, two more questions for you as we, we get through the NFL here. Uh, and one, the first one is a week after the New England Patriots were one play away from beating the Seattle Seahawks. We saw Bob Kelly's Dallas Cowboys uh, come within – the same realm, right? They were so close against uh, Seattle this week. And it, it, despite the loss, is this a good Cowboys team? I thought you were going to keep talking. No, no, no that was it. I, I, I thought it was a joke. That's my pause. 
<laughs> no, well, hang on. Let me make let me make the, the point. Cowboys in good doesn't let, let, go together. So I was I thought it was a, I thought it was a joke. I was waiting for the for the punchline. Well, let me let me make the point. And and the, and the only reason I bring this up is because we saw the Patriots lose to Seattle, and we saw. So let me rephrase this question. We saw the Patriots lose to Seattle a week ago. We saw Dallas lose to Seattle this week. Dallas is without a doubt going to win that NFC East. I'm going to say it right now because the NFC East is absolutely terrible. Washington is bad. Atrocious. Philly is bad. New York is terrible. I I don't see it going any other way. I guess what my other question is, is, or my, my basic question is uh, Seattle beats both of these teams, put new England against Dallas in a one-off who wins. Depends on the context and the situation. If it's next week, I'd say Dallas has a really good shot of winning because nothing's on the line. If it's uh, the Super Bowl, because that's the only actual game of stakes they could play, or like they both needed a win to get into the playoffs maybe at the end of the regular season, I think New England wins every single time because it's the same story. Belichick beats McCarthy? No, because Dallas is an identity or just kind of losers, man. And like, I'm sorry to say that, you know, but (laughs) Bobby's going to rip you so hard. They are though. It's the thing, you know, it's, uh, he, I made him mad in the slack because uh, I was t- talking shit about Tony Romo as a quarterback and he got so mad. I love you, Bobby, but like Tony Romo is 0 for 2 in the playoffs. Like that's his whole, that's his numbers. He's not a winner, but that's not his fault. That's the Cowboys fault. When you go to the Cowboys, <laughs> you lose when it matters. <laughs> I love so, it. I love, I love it. it. I love it. I love it. I, Craig, I, I, that, that's a great response. I love it. Craig, if you, if you can isolate Rayshon's little deep, uh, deep tone laugh there, and we can use it for a Halloween episode, that would be great. <laughs> All right, final, please, final, please do. <laughs> final NFL question, because uh, we're, we're starting to get a little slow here. Um, the best 3-0 team in the NFL, we have the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas Chicago City Bears, Chiefs, next question. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Let me start over so, <laughs> so you can't interrupt me. I'm going to read the AFC teams first. The Bills are 3-0, Kansas City Chiefs, Pittsburgh Steelers, Tennessee Titans, uh, the I can't believe that in the NFC East. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are three and zero. The Green Bay Packers are three and zero. The Chicago Bears are three and zero. Who is the best three and zero team in the NFL right now? Really, the best three and zero team, Dave. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll really start. the best. Okay, yeah, I'll start. Yeah, because we know what you're going to say. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it has to be Kansas City. I mean, if we have any other answer right now, it's. I mean, either because right. you're, you're a fan or you just you just don't like Mahomes, which is fine. But he's he's that team is phenomenal, and like you said, Joe, earlier in the show, they made Baltimore look like a JV team. And I I said on a previous show, I don't see this team losing. And um, to me, it's, it's Kansas City by far. Follow up question. Who's the biggest surprise three and O team? Oh, Chicago. That's that's real. That's real though. Like I you, you couldn't have told me at the beginning of the season that they would start. I did no. tell you. I did no, tell you. Say, yeah, you, you said because you you're a fan, but I mean, come on. But it's just like realistically speaking, sir. Um, I didn't think that Chicago would be, you know, three and oh, but I mean, hey, give them credit and then you know, give credit to Matt Nagy for doing what they should get for the jump, which is pretty but cool. all, th- all jokes so, aside. All jokes aside, the Bears are of course the biggest surprise three and of the season but it's not as big of a surprise when you look at their strength of schedule across the first eight games i mean they just didn't yeah, have they haven't beat anybody play. 
And I feel like that might have been part of Nagy's plan too. He's like, oh, we well, got a soft schedule. Let me just throw Trubisky in there. If he fails against these joke teams, like whatever, let me try and also try and salvage the season. But regardless, it's yeah, it's of course it's Kansas City in the NFC. I think it's a little bit of a toss up. Like who's the best three and but probably the Seahawks. I think they look really good. But Packers sleepy, sleepy good. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, I know Aaron Rodgers is going off and he's the conversation, but that Packers team is actually really good. Like, uh, what's his name? Aaron Jones, very yep. good running back. He's an absolute he's an absolute beast. So, yeah, they're really – they're sneaky good. I mean, I, I think we're – as we head into the, the quarter pole of the season here into week four, quarter pole, that's a that's a little horse racing um, wow. vernacular. Uh, we, we, give, we give you everything on this show, baby. That's right. So, a question. Uh, I, a question, that's right. I have to agree with you that the the – the most surprising team is the Chicago bears, but I, I think you're right. I really, I do like Matt and Matt Nagy. Um, I think he's kind of one of those mediocre coaches that can get the job done. Uh, and for our second Mark Tressman, mediocre. Uh, he is mediocre. Come on. He, right he now. Helped he's that, he helped build that Kansas city offense that you're, that you laud so much. How can he, you just? He, how can you leap from the lily pad? Well, like hang the Kansas on. City Chiefs hang, hang are the on. most amazing offense. Because he's not. The, because seen. he's not there right now. Because he's not there right he now. He was so, the architect of that. He was the brains of the operation. That's great. And so was uh, here. This well, shoot. That's not. That's not going to help my point. That's going to help your point. Uh, so was Tony. <laughs> so was Tony Dungy for the team for the Buccaneers team that won the Super Bowl with the coach that will remain unnamed. But well, this, the the Seahawks are by far the best the best 3-0 team uh, in the NFC. And I say by far because I think that's going to be the team that goes to the Super Bowl. But I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Packers can't um, take down the Seahawks in the NFC Championship. I, I just think the playoffs are going to be so much fun this year because I, I think the, the Seahawks, NFC... The Seahawks, on the Seahawks real quick, they have the strongest 3-0. Like, they have the meatiest 3-0. Oh, without a doubt. Anybody in the NFL, including the Chiefs, I think. I think that they got pushed. I think that there was a lot of like uh, wild card factors in the games sure. that they were playing, like a new Cam Newton, like all this crazy stuff could have happened to them, and they they saw it off. So I'm saying that's the strongest three and zero for them. Even though I don't think that they would beat the Chiefs. No, they're not the best team, but they're the strongest three and zero, right? So yes. again, we're only going into Week Four, um, but I I like the NFC like right now. After three weeks, which is so early, Packers and Seahawks in the NFC Championship game. You have the Chiefs and the, the Ravens in the AFC Championship game, and see what happens because I, I think it's just going to make for a lot of fun and a great narrative uh, coming into the end of the NFL season. So we've gone on for a little over an hour here, and uh, as we come to a close, I would like to go around the room to everybody uh, with their final points of the evening. And I will start with Dave Clark. <laughs> um, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm legitimately shocked. The most shocking thing that happened, I think, this week was uh, yesterday on Monday, recording this on Tuesday. Yesterday, uh, the coach of the Falcons did not get fired. That was the most shocked that I was all week and probably will remain. And it's crazy. And it's an absolute. He's, Ray was right to win the Forrest Gump Award in this one because it's a dereliction of duty to not fire him. And that's all I've got. Ray Sean. I could I haven't been on the show since we posted about going over a thousand downloads. So just, you know, thank you for those that have listened. You know, we, we hope and pray that you continue to listen to a lot more. We have a lot more content to give. And, you know, we are working our asses off to, you know, give you the best content possible. So, you know, we, we appreciate the listening. We appreciate the downloads and just continue to spread the word. So 
you know, once again, just thank you and just continue to listen. Nothing else. I mean, also, I mean, we talked about Doc. I mean, you know, I I, I talked about it on, on a different thing where I said I, I was shocked that he got you know fired, um, and you know he he deserved it. So you you hear me, Mike? I'm saying that he deserved it. I'm not defending it. You know, he, he deserved to go. It means so, your signature, uh, your signature sign off. Well, so, I, I mean, oh, gosh, you. Well, that <laughs> it we we know what needs to happen, and like I said, they they have they have not done it. it doesn't seem like they're going to do it. But we, we do we do know that they need to handle that situation when it comes to Breonna Taylor. That we still need justice for her. Um, so I'll I'll, I'll make that clear and plain. So I appreciate that y'all brought that back up because that is true. Um, I said a sentiment is not enough. So we we, st- we still need justice for her. So um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Thanks, guys. And my final thought for the week has to do with NFL Week Three and the NFL as a whole. We've gone over records every week. We've talked about the Patriots. We've talked about every other team in the league and who are surprises. We have the New England Patriots sitting at 2-1, and one, the Chicago Bears sitting at 3-0, and oh, Dave's Cowboys sitting at 2-1, and one, but we all know who the best teams in the NFL are through three weeks. And as we head into the quarter poll, I said it while we were talking about the NFL, my favorites to go to the Super Bowl right now are the Seattle Seahawks and the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm going to stick by that, and that will be my final thought for the night. Um, My last thing to say this week during this recording is the first presidential debate, and I have to tell you, no matter how it turns out, who wins the debates, go out and vote for who you believe should be the next president or the president of the United States. And that'll do it for our EP, Craig D'Alessandro, for Dave Clark, Ray Sean Buchanan. My name is Joe Malkin. This has been episode nine of the SNSW podcast. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50 Year Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric Acid. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.